God bless America. Amen? How many of you got Tuesday off? Most of you? Yeah, man, I hope you have a great time with your family. Hey, who can we put in charge of the weather today so we can blame them if it rains, okay? We've had a lot of rain, hadn't we? I tell you. Yesterday, Don and I were driving down the road with her mom, and like it was sunshine, and then we drove into this huge flood at Taylor Road and Atlanta Highway, and we turned left, and it's like the switch just flipped off, and it hadn't even rained. I mean, it's just, that's weird. Well, today, we're in Proverbs. I think we're in week five. So if you have the scriptures with you, turn over to the book of Proverbs. We're going to look at multiple Proverbs, so I can't just send you to one address because it's a little more expensive. Yesterday, we started our second month in the book of Proverbs. And I hope and pray that maybe you took the Proverbs challenge and did the first month. And I sure did. And today is Proverbs 2, and I read Proverbs 2 this morning. And tomorrow is July 3rd, and we're going to read Proverbs and the next day, we're going to read Proverbs. Okay, you're pretty smart. All right. Just read with me as we go through God's Word. Well, this morning, I want to talk about character. I, th- I thought that was a great topic for this weekend. Just thinking about, you're like, yeah, I, I, I have character. I was a class clown. No, that's not what I'm talking about. You do have character. Okay. But God wants to fashion, wants to shape. Okay, fun for you. I'm back. Hey, hey, that was kind of fun. Yeah. Hey, let's just close in prayer and go outside and have snow biz, okay? That worship set, it'll hold us for a week. Somebody's like, really? That would be like awesome. Not as hard as I've worked to bring this message. No way, baby. No, I I want us to get into God's word. I, I love that. Real, authentic Christian character is formed by our commitment to Jesus. That's how you really get character in your life, in your heart. You get integrity, you get honor. And there's some things that influence our character, our behavior. I think there's three major ones. And I didn't put these in your notes, and I don't know what I was thinking. I started putting all these things down, and then I like just got all this other insight. I'm like, well, if they want to write it, not, just listen. But here they are, three things that influence behavior. And two of these uh, apply really to uh, non-believers but there's one that you know applies to us. And here, here's the three things that I want to say to us. It's our old nature. Write down your old nature, your old sin nature. We all have that. It's your shaped, formed nature. And if you're in Christ, it is your new nature. Now, the pagan, non-believing world, people of that uh, descent, 
they have an old nature because we all are born with an Adamic sin nature. So everybody has an old nature. I mean, you're, just, you're, just, you're given that. That's just the way it is. And then we all have a shaped nature, maybe good or bad or indifferent, but we're all shaped. But then that beautiful thing called transformation happens when Jesus Christ invades, comes into your life, becomes a part, you pledge your allegiance to him, you get a new nature. And I remember taking on the new nature as a new Christian at university. And now here it is, decades later. And you, you, you've been walking in faith, many of you, for a long time. Some of you for not so long. Maybe some today are not even still convinced that you have a new nature. But you could today. That's the great thing about grace and about Christ. But this old nature, it's the old nature is the sinful nature. And do you know what I'm talking about? Does everybody agree we all have a sinful nature? What I want to do is I want to take you down to the nursery now, and I want us to have a field trip. Will you all go with me? No, we're not going to do that. We're not going to disrupt that. But I promise you, there are certain toys that will bring out this word, and they have not been coached. Mine. Mine. And if you try to take that toy from them, hmm, it's not good. Yesterday, Don and I were over at Costco, and we met this person, and they came by, and they had their buggy full of stuff, and there was a big watermelon in there. And there was the cutest little girl sitting up there with her mom and dad, and she, well, her mom and dad weren't sitting in the buggy. That would have been ridiculous. But she was sitting there, and there's a watermelon. I said, oh, you've got watermelon. And she cut her eyes at me. Well, first of all, I don't even like watermelon, okay? And I've got enough integrity and honor. I'm not going to take watermelon from a little girl, okay? But she already, I, I knew, like, man, if, if I push it, if I go over and lay my hands on that watermelon, we're going to have a meltdown right here in Costco. They might even kick me out. I don't know. But the thing about it, our old sin nature you can't eradicate it. You're born with it. You're going to have it all your days, and it's going to compete with other natures. But then there's that second shape nature. It's determined by what you're taught, what you're taught by your mom and dad, what you're taught by outside influences, what you're taught by the church of Jesus Christ, what you're taught by others. And it's also that shape nature comes from the experiences that you have and I have, good and bad. And some of us have had some experiences that have really uh, molded us. And they've been good and, and helpful for being godly in Jesus. And some have not been so helpful and they've been bad. And then the other thing that shapes our nature, and this is huge, and I'll talk about it several times today because I want to make sure you and I get it. Choices. Choices that you and I make. That shapes who we are. I mean, you always hear your parents when you're coming up, even when you're adult, choices, choices. You make the wrong choice. And you do time in prison. You make the wrong choice. You don't get into that university. You make the wrong choice. You, you marry the wrong person or whatever. You make the wrong choice. You don't become the right person that you need to be. You make the wrong choice. You, you know, choices. Man, every day we make, like today, somebody's going to have to make a choice. What flavor snow biz do I want? Now, it doesn't really matter. Now, little kids, if you come up and you give them the wrong color, they have a meltdown, they go home, they leave the church, it's horrible, Okay. So if when little kids get theirs, they get whatever flavor they want, you know, and you know, maybe just give them ice. I mean, maybe that would ha make them happy. Yeah, that sounds cheap, doesn't it? Okay. But shaping happens anywhere. I really think it happens at home in the biggest way. And I've said this, and I want to say it again. So many, I, I've been a pastor 35 years, and people have been bringing kids and adults to me for 35 years, and I count it an honor. But people have said, here, fix this person. Here, put some character. Here, shape them, mold them, help them. And with the help and the aid of the Holy Spirit, we've done some amazing things. But here's the deal. 
The job of the church is never solely on its own to shape you. The greatest place to shape a young person is in the is in the home. God doesn't excuse the home. He talks all about it in the Old Testament, the New Testament, so the home. And well, matter of fact, right now I've talked. Uh, I've been praying about us doing a parenting conference in 2018, possibly with Dr. Jim Burns from the West Coast. An amazing. You hear him on the radio on Faith Radio. But anyway, we'll talk about that another day. About the home. How do we shape the home? Character. The character is really the the outcome of the molding process that's going on inside that shape culture. But then or shape nature. But here's the third one. This is the, this is the good news. The new nature. When you come to Christ, when you abide in Jesus, when you put your faith completely in him, the old nature that you and I have, we're instantaneously planted with it. But when we come to Christ, when we put our trust in the Savior, God puts a new nature. He deposits his Holy Spirit in us. He seals us. He marks us. And we have a new nature. And how many of you are grateful for your new nature this morning that you have in Christ? And you're saying, man, I'm glad I got a new nature because I'm pretty mean. I could be pretty rude and ugly, and if I didn't have that, man, I wouldn't have a prayer. <laughs> You're right. It's the reason for grace. So the, the, the one thing about it, the sin nature is always going to be there. The new nature, once you come to Christ, it's always there. And those natures, they always are competing. And I've told you over and over, you've got to feed on the word of the living Christ. You've got to feed your soul. You've got to feed your spirit, man, with the words of Jesus. And that's how you nourish the soul, and that's how you grow, and that's how you get healthy, and that's how godly character is formed. But sometimes people are not convinced that this book is enough, and they just put it down or they keep it on the shelf. And they don't allow God to transform their mind and their thinking and their life. Because, you know, the thing is, God doesn't rejuvenate. He doesn't save the old nature. He saves the man. He gives us a new nature. Anyway, I could talk about this all day. I get so excited about that truth. But... Another word for character, just write somewhere in your notes today, is habit. What are the habits? We all, we all have habits. Now, there's one habit that I hope everybody in this room has. I hope you brush your teeth often. You know, I mean, that's just a good habit. I mean, you don't brush your teeth, that's just gross, okay? And if you don't have money for toothpaste and toothbrush, come see me. I will take you immediately because it will be a blessing to all of us, Okay. But I mean, yeah, so we have habits and we take showers and we, we eat and, and maybe we eat junky, maybe we eat right, we exercise and we da-da-da, but we've got all these habits. But character is really the habits that we form in our lives, in our soul, in our heart. And uh, these healthy routines, they, they, they really protect us. And even, even good people, good holy people, good church people, they have habits that are good and some that aren't so good. And, you know, one thing I found, some people, some people tend to be just kind of good, and other people are like, man, they're never really good. And then, but, you know, goodness never gets us to heaven because we all fall short of the glory of God. But when Christ comes in and gives us a new nature, we begin to, to feed on his character. We begin to say, Lord, I exchanged my character for your life, for, for your habits, for your ways. And, God, that's what adds up, and that's what makes a difference. But somebody once asked, what changes with salvation with your old nature? What changes in the old nature when you get saved? I want you to listen carefully. You know what changes with your nature and my nature, our old nature, when we come to Christ? Nothing. It's still there. Do you have evidences that you still have an old nature? Can you raise your hand? Yeah. Those sinful behaviors that you struggle with, 
Maybe it's an addiction you have, it's some problem or whatever it is. That's that sin nature that is there. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ. And he gives us the power of God to dwell and to shape. Because, you know, if God, if it was just about changing actions and changing habits, there's no need for Jesus. But see, it's a lot more than just behavior modification. It's that transformation. It's that indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit that Christ comes and, and fills and begins to shape and, and take us on. And so, uh, you know, our environments, we, we've all got these different environments we live in. I remember years ago, uh, I was doing a lot of Andy Stanley stuff, and we were going to some of his conferences over at North Point. We take different members of our church staffs. And one of the words they love to use at North Point, and I love this, is they create environments. And see, this is a worship environment. This room is built for worship with lights and screens and music and all the things we do in here. And we've built children's environments and nursery, and we've got student environment over there. And environments are important. How many of you would agree that environments are important? They are. And here's some things that environments in include. Our culture, uh, it's our associations, it's those people that we hang around, it's information that we get, it's our nurture, it's our experience, it's our choices. But we all have these environments and, and my prayer is that you would find some uh, healthy environments to attach yourself to. You would find some healthy environments that you might be pushed, stimulated, challenged, pr even provoked to, to follow the ways of God. That, that it would just make you get down the road. And um, the thing is that I love, listen to what Paul says over in one of his scriptures. I, I just want you to hear these words. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. Do I have any takers? <laughs> and if I do what I do not want to do, agree that the law is good. And as it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. You're saying, man, that sounds like me. Verse 20. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. Romans 7, 16 through 21, if you want an address. Man, that is one of the profound writings of the Apostle Paul is this sin nature so today we're talking about character and and and, and that helps uh, it affects our uh, character in a huge way but there's some things that god does and god begins this work look there the, in the box look at the message truth i want you to fill it in god builds character in our lives by allowing us to experience situations where we're tempted to do the exact opposite of the character quality Character development always involves, listen to this key word, it always involves a choice. When we make the right choice, then our character becomes more like Jesus. And y'all, I could talk all day about the power of choices. The good choices I've made in my life. The dumb choices I've made in my life. The marginal choices I've made. So right now, I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, and what dumb choice have you made? Could you share that with me? That would be really uncomfortable, wouldn't it? But if I said, turn to the person next to you. Matter of fact, I think I will. This just hit me. Why don't you turn to a person next to you and say, here's a good choice I've made. Turn to the person next to you and just talk about a good choice that you've made. Don't look at me. Turn to the person next to you and tell you. Tell them.
This is a good choice I've made. That's kind of fun. Some of y'all just looked at like, man, that was short. I hadn't made any. You could have said, hey, I made a choice to come to this church. I might have taken you to lunch, but there's no taker, so y'all forget it now. Too late. That's all you had to say if you'd have just said, I am so glad I made a choice to be a part of Christ's community. Drew would have taken you to breakfast tomorrow. Now you can take him. Okay, here we go. One wise person said, in our lives are not made by the dreams we dream, but they're made by the choices we make. And I go, amen and amen. Now, I love to dream and I love to have vision, but at the end of the day, it's about the choices that you and I make. And, and we know that choices have consequences. And some consequences just seem much greater than other ones. But still, it's this whole thing. You sow and you reap. It's a universal law of the kingdom of a follower of Jesus Christ. But it's also just a, a universal law, sowing and reaping, that God talks about. Wise people of strong character will always ask the Lord, Lord, what would you have me do? Could you just put that in your notes today? Lord, what would you have me do? What path would you have me take? I find if we'll get in concert with the Holy Spirit, and check in with God and ask God, God, what do you want me to do? There's usually a road that leads to victory. But here's what I've also found. When I'm too prideful, too stubborn, too insensitive to the Holy Spirit to listen, and I choose that which I think is best, I go off in the proverbial ditch. Have you been in a ditch lately? Probably. Because you probably haven't checked in with the Holy Spirit. Listen to Proverbs 4.26. Watch the path of your feet and your ways will be established. Watch the way and the direction that you're headed, that you walk. And then your path gets established. That's what I pray for you and me. God, would you establish our paths? Because God, if you establish our paths... We've got a chance to have good character. We've got a chance to conform to the image of Christ. We've got a chance to do great things for the kingdom of God. But God, if you don't establish them, I'm sick. I'm out of, I'm out of, I'm out of luck. Listen to this. People make choices, and the choices they make shape their character. So it's real simple. Choices define us. I'm a sum of my choices thus far in my life, and so are you. And you're saying, Pastor, I've made some pretty good choices. And I go, man, that is awesome. And some of you say, I didn't start making good choices till five years ago, 10 years ago. I go, man, praise the Lord. Some of you go, I've been making good choices for a long time. And I find this isn't something you graduate from. This is something that you and I get to try every single day, multiple times a day. Choice, choice, because God, I want the character of Christ. Listen to what character is. It's right there in the middle of your page. It's the traits that define or they describe a person who they are. It's the conduct that makes up their reputation. We've all got a reputation. Some of you have unbelievable reputation. And there might be somebody here today, I don't know, that has a questionable reputation. But I know this, my and your reputation follows us all the days of our life. I remember when I first came to Christ, I was a partying crazy, long hair, that's funny today, fool. 
And when I made a profound commitment to Christ and I began to make new choices, I realized my reputation had greatly changed and people would come up to me and comment, I'm watching, your reputation is at stake. Didn't mean I was perfect because God knows I sure wasn't and I sure am not now. But those reputations, they follow us. And now we live in a day in social media. When Robert Young and I went to college, like we have to you in there, Robert. Thank you. We didn't have social media. We didn't have cell phones. We didn't have a, we still had people that could run their mouth and they could talk. Today, young people, old people, whatever, it's amazing. Your reputation, it is so out there for everybody. Right now, I could leave here today and just start scrolling through my phone on Facebook. And can I just tell you, I'm going to be real candid. Sometimes I look at Facebook over the years and I've been embarrassed by some reputations or by some things that I might see thinking, wow, is that the way a Christian acts? Now, you're, somebody's going, man, did you look at mine? No, 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 I'm not asking that. I'm just saying, we want to be wise. We want to have the character of Christ. We want to display that. I've heard about so many people can't get jobs sometimes because people have followed them through social media and have said, man, your reputation is incredibly questionable. I'm not sure that we want you to handle multi-million dollar or handle these projects or be in control of these kids or do that. Anyway, the word character, you don't see the word uh, character necessarily in the Bible. But what you do is you get a Greek word that derives our English word there, and, uh, and, and it talks about integrity. And we see the word integrity in the Scriptures, and God wants to shape and form our integrity. And character is a matter of doing right over and over and over and over until it becomes a, a part of who we are. And that's why it's so important that we're doing character formation and shaping in the home and with little ones, but not just with the little ones, with older ones. As we disciple, is that we begin to repeat these habits, and these habits become a part of who we are, and that integrity just screams to the world that Christ is doing something. But um, our, our character gets displayed, good or bad. Man, I got character. I, I got some things that get displayed like, man, that's not what I wanted to put on display but it's what displayed because it's what was in my heart. Same with you. And then sometimes it's like, man, I did the right thing. I made the right choice. I asked the Holy Spirit to lead me, and that character reflected the master. And that's what we're shooting for is the body of Christ, is people that assemble in the house of God. But integrity is more likely to produce character than character is to produce integrity. In fact, integrity is really kind of the parent over character. So God we need integrity this morning. Lord, I ask you to begin to form that in us a little stronger. God, I want people to look at our lives and go, that person certainly messes up sometimes. They're certainly not perfect, but they sure have a high goal, a high prize, the Lord Jesus, and they purpose to follow after him. And I know they mess up, but you know, I notice there's a, a sense of humility, and they humble themselves, and sometimes they ask for forgiveness, and sometimes they go, I've missed the mark. Do you find that you're attracted to people that are willing to own and admit their mistakes, that they're not perfect, but they're shooting to become like the Lord Jesus? Don't you admire those kind of people? I'll tell you a great thing in parenting. When you blow it, and my girls could tell you, man, our dad blew it. Still blow it sometimes. But the thing that I know, that I know, that I know, we've got to be willing dads, we've got to be willing moms to go to little ones and go to our spouses sometimes and go, I have missed the mark. My character was not like my Savior that I talk about all the time. Would you forgive me? 
And I, I find that, man, that's just a great practice for a Christian. And sometimes I, I, I talk to people and they go, man, I've just got too much pride, bro. There's no way I'm going to admit to my kid that I have messed up. <laughs> and I want to just go, you are a fool. <laughs> Unwise. Because, man, we, we need to show that, man, this character of deficiency, this character of flaw in my life, it, it, it needs the work of Christ. Listen to this. Write this down for integrity. I love this. Integrity is a determination of the heart. It's unwavering determination in the heart to do right no matter what. You know what I've learned? In, in the business world, in the church world, in life, our integrity is always being questioned to do something a little more subservient or, or to, to sell out, to, to not go all the way for it. But if we're willing to submit, if we're willing to take that and say, God, now I want you to shape it. God, I want you to help me to do the right thing. I find so many times, man, the Holy Spirit will come quickly, or he'll come always to us, and he'll help us to get on the right path. So we're looking here about wise words. We're looking at, at character, and I, I want to move into these because I, I want to show you this real quick. Um, let me give you an integrity in the home, character in the home. Psalm 101, verse 2. Listen to this. I will behave myself wisely in a perfect way. I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. Now, when you see the word perfect in the heart, of, in, in the scriptures, there's only, one that per, there's only one that is perfect, and he is God. But really, the word perfect, it's the same Hebrew word that we get out of that integrity, that we're becoming like God, that he's our, he's our example. We want to become like him. But Lord, I want to live in a wise way within my scope of my home because my kids, my spouse, my family, the church, the unseen, the, the out people out there, they're watching how I relate. That's like when we see all these great superstars and everything, and you, you see all these multi-million dollars. Did you see these contracts lately? This one baseball player the other day signed the biggest baseball contract ever. Man, I wish he went to Christ community. Because I read an article, and all he talked about was tithing, how he'd been tithing. His, since he was a kid how he loved to do that i go man that'd be awesome and then i just read a, i heard a thing today that curry just signed a i think it was a 40 million dollar contract to play basketball god could you bring him to christ community just for one year could you imagine no, i'm just teasing well i'm not teasing i mean it'd be good if you know him invite him to our church sometime okay but the thing is these two men that are having elevated status both of them had a mark of, of christ that they submitted that there's one higher than i and i've watched the one a lot and i realize he's not perfect and he messes up but there is a declaration there is an allegiance to jesus and i go amen how about you church i love that so we we look at high profiles are like well you know some of them you see you know you see all these different shows and like there's no integrity in that life there's no integrity in that home and that's that a royal mess can you just write down the word mess m-e-s-s -S -S. you ever feel like you're a mess let me ask you again. Do you ever feel like you're a mess? Man, I just feel like I'm looking at a bunch of messes because I'm a big mess. You know why I know you're a mess? Because I am one. And we all have that in common, don't we? And some of you are like, but pastor, I put perfume on my mess and I dress it up and it looks good and proper. It's dumb. You know, so you see, some people have just learned how to play the game. Here, here, here be the word. They've learned how to pose. They're a poser. 
They don't want to have the real thing. Let me, let me keep going here. I just think this is helpful. So God counts on us. I mean, our job sometimes or all the time should depend on our character, our life, our performance, our testimony. But look at these seven character qualities we desperately need. I'm going to run through them quickly. Number one, wisdom versus the natural inclinations that we have of the flesh. Seeing, responding to life situations from God's frame of reference. Listen to Proverbs 9.10. Fear of the Lord, we talked about that in the first study, is the foundation of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. God, help us to have your wisdom and, and to move and shift our focus toward the wisdom of Christ versus the flesh, the natural. Secondly, thoroughness versus incompleteness. Uh, we know that those factors diminish our effectiveness. Now listen to Proverbs 18, 15. I love this. Intelligent people, are you intelligent no, let me ask that again. Are you intelligent? Okay, do you understand the opposite of intelligent? Are you dumb? I mean, like, man, Pastor called me dumb and smiled. No, no, you're not dumb. You're intelligent. Listen, let me read it again. Okay. I'm hearing myself here. All right, here we go. Here we go. Intelligent people are always ready to learn. Their ears are open for knowledge. A disciple of Jesus Christ is a learner. And that means they're always acquiring knowledge, getting wisdom, because wisdom is the application of that knowledge. So God, help me surround myself with intelligent people. The cautiousness, number three, versus rashness. Proverbs 19.2, enthusiasm without knowledge is no good. Haste makes mistake. Sometimes you can be so full of energy and passion and enthusiasm and you're headed in the wrong way, so you want to be cautious. Four, reverence versus disrespect. That's the whole thing about awe and the fear of the Lord. But listen, awareness of how God is working in our lives and through us. Proverbs 23, 17, and 18. Listen, don't envy sinners, but always continue to fear the Lord. You will be rewarded for this. Your hope will not be disappointed. Now, if we're honest, it's easy sometimes to envy the life of sinful, rich, wealthy, powerful people. But ultimately, we know their character is bad at best. Their character is not honoring to their spouse or to their maid or to their friends or their family or to their organization or whatever. It's just, it's just wrong. I mean, we're looking for character, the character of Christ. The fifth, responsibility versus unreliability. In Romans 14, 12, yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. Now, folks, I'm just going to tell you as simple as I know how. This verse right here is one of those verses that kind of scares me. But I know as a, as a follower of Jesus, but as a creation of God, I am accountable for my actions. You are accountable for that which you do. How many of you are grateful for the blood and the righteousness of Jesus Christ that covers you that you can be accountable to God? That's how we get before him. But still, we're held accountable for what we say, for what we do, for what we think, for our actions, for our integrity, for our lack of integrity, for our character. The six, endurance versus giving up. Galatians 6, 9, great verse. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we'll reap a harvest of blessing. If we choose not to give up. Man, I love that one. Don't give up. Don't give up. Endure. Character endures. Character finishes that which it starts. I've told the story, but it's worth telling again. 
It's my story, so I'll tell it. I was a baseball player growing up, had some talent. The only problem was my talent kind of about year 12, 13, 14, it started kind of falling up to then. In my own mind, I was a legend. I, I thought I was good, and I had, had, I had, I had this fastball, and I, I would average 13, 14 strikeouts a game. And, and man, I thought, man, I'm, I'm going to be playing in the major leagues. You know, in those days, you know, you, 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 you watch baseball with your dad when you get through the yard on Saturday. That was a Kurt Gowdy. That was a great thing. I thought, man, I'm going to be. And then junior high, everybody caught up with my fastball. And I went from 13, 14 strikeouts down to six strikeouts a game. So, you know, I, I, had, I had this, uh, I'm trying to think of why I'm telling you this story. Oh, man, I just got, can't, can't believe I just did that. What was my point? Endurance. Thank you. Golly, I was like, man, why was I telling that stupid story? Yeah, yeah. So, so everybody caught up with me. So I got to high school and I was playing ball. And I'm out there with my shorts on, running, you know, we feel like we got a track team. And, and I'd run, uh, believe it or not, I ran cross country when I was in junior high, and then I started hitting weights, so I quit doing that. But I was, I was running all the time, and we had this coach, and he thought we should run at baseball practice every day from foul line to foul line. And we would run till we would drop, and he thought it was funny. And I came home one night, and I said, Dad, look, I'm a baseball player. He goes, yeah, you are. I said, Dad, I'm going to quit. Oh, crud. I wish I never told my dad that. My dad got up, and I won't use the language in church or anywhere else because it would not be honoring to Christ. He didn't know Christ then, okay? I didn't either. And my dad says some unkind words to me. But he basically said this, and I'll never forget it. Son, a Waldrop never quits. And if you think you're going to quit, I'll tell you what. You quit, but when you get home, we're going to go to the baseball field, and we're going to run till you fall out. And then you're going to go back to school and you're going to beg your coach for a position back on that team. You do not quit. Do you understand me, son? Y yes, yes, sir. And I ran all season. You know what I'm saying? But here was the principle. You don't give up character. You just keep on doing it. You just keep on pushing. Does anybody need that word? Coach, you can use that story. It's free, okay? But the, the bottom line is, I've watched Coach Davis. He told me one time, I thought this was hilarious. He goes, Pastor, I've got the greatest job in the world. But let me tell you a little secret. I'm the only guy I know that gets paid for yelling at girls. He's a women's basketball coach. Okay, I want to put that in there. But they adore him. They love him because he has character. He has the character of Christ. He's not perfect, and I've seen a few of those moments. We, we have a video clip right here. No. But he's pointing them to the Savior. That's why I love him. And, and I talk to his athletes, and they go, we love playing for Coach Davis. He's a man of character. He's a man of integrity. He's a man that wants to see us get our degree. Man, bless you, Dan. Number seven, dependability versus inconsistency. Fulfilling what I considered to do, even though it uh, means an unexpected sacrifice. Psalm 15, 4. Those who despise flagrant sinners and honor the faithful followers of the Lord and keep their promises even when it hurts. Have you ever made a promise to somebody and you wish that you had not made it? <laughs> yeah, I made one yesterday. No, 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 I mean, we all make those promises. But God says, keep your word. Let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. I'm going to do a wedding on Monday. I've never done a Monday wedding. And actually, the wedding I'm doing, I did this girl's mom and dad's wedding 23 years ago. Her dad is a major chaplain in the United States Air Force. And, and I'm just thinking about 
vows. And this couple, they're so passionately in love, and they just sit there, and it's, it's sick, man. Every time I do all this premarital, they just sit there and, like, Dan and Heather, man, like, man, God help them. No, that's awesome. I love them. They're getting married in a few weeks. It's so beautiful. But this couple, and they're going to stand there, and they're going to promise all their worldly goods, and they're going to promise to love one another, death do us part, but they're going to make a vow to God, and they're going to make a vow to one another. And that's what I encourage you to do. And the church said, and the church said, man, that just brings honor to Christ, folks. Character, your character matters. You know, that character results in the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 6 is a perfect picture of Christ working. But let's move here. I want you to see this quickly. Developing the character of, Christ, of Christ's life's most important task because it's the only thing that we take into eternity. My character, your character, it's who we are. It's who we've become, who we're becoming. And we take that into the presence of Christ. The Word of God lives forever. It endures forever. Our lives, our testimony, they matter to God. All that other stuff, it just falls off. It's dross. It, it don't make it. So I carry into eternity who I am. And I pray, God, help us to be more like you. Jesus made it clear on the Sermon on the Mount that eternal rewards in heaven will be based on the character we develop in this life. Character matters to God. You know, sometimes in political campaigns, people go, they're smart. We don't care so much about character. <laughs> I do. How many of you want politicians that have character? I hope all of you. Well, no, I mean, they can steal anything they want, just as long as they don't get it from me. Mm, we got a bigger problem than I thought, Houston. Okay, here we go. Look at this one quickly. Character is never built in a classroom. It's built in the circumstances of life. Man. We can learn character qualities in a classroom, in a setting, but it's really built in those hard things that we go through, those experiential moments where if we respond correctly, when pressure's applied, the character of Christ trumps other things. So are we having trouble? Are we feeling pressure? Are there obstacles? Are there opportunities? Yes, many. But God wants to form character in me. Whether you're a Christian or not, the, the child of God sees what happens in tribulation. And for the believer, the tribulation results in the glory of God. And God, that's what I want for my friends and for myself. We want to glorify you. And God, we want our character to somehow match what this book says. And I fall so short. And I feel like a hypocrite sometimes, God. But God, I want to follow you. You know, that's what I preach every weekend with all my heart. I just want you to be a follower of Jesus. I don't want you to be religious. Montgomery's the most religious community I've ever seen. I just want you to love the living Jesus Christ and take him up as your best friend and let him form and shape and touch and make him the purity, the priority of your life. So develop Christian character. I'll say this to you. You can have talent, and talent will only take you so far. And I've seen people that have talent, but they didn't have character to match the talent, and they fail quickly. But when you've got character, it sustains you for the journey. So God, give us hearts that are full of the character of Jesus, that you sustain us for what you have for us, 
So how does God build Christian character? It's in the pain, in the hurt, in the suffering that God builds character. And every one of us have some hurt. We have some pain. We have some suffering. If we don't, we'll get some. And that's where God forges his life in us. Would you pray with me? Lord, I need this message, and I think my friends do. And Lord, it's the place that I'm in heartache or I have burdens or problems or difficulties or misunderstandings that I need you to work. I need you to do a new work in my heart. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be the mirror of Christ to reflect that to the lost world. And God, our character can grow or it can shrivel. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that today you would increase in us and help us to grow and not shrivel up. Help us to align our behavior with the Lord Jesus and his word. But Lord, I can't. And you can't. You never said I could. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. And conform us, shape us, make us, mold us, teach us, lead us, instruct us, in your ways give us your power god help us to surrender today help us to give it up where we're fighting you and do a new work of grace for i have awareness today that i need grace if you find yourself there i'm going to walk over here to the column and if you just want to come over and share i'd love to speak to you but lord jesus come and have your way in my heart. For I ask it in Christ's name. Amen.